the title of the message is Mission, the Mission Before Missions. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 28 and verse number 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you in love. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And isn't that great? That is through the Lord's power. We are told to go. We are told to teach. We are told to baptize. We are told to observe commands. In other words, Jesus Christ gave the mission. That's what we are to do. That's our mission. Go to Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one. Look at verse number six. Acts one six. When they, they, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Always want to know about that kingdom. So the Lord said, verse seven, and said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus said, I am, going to, I am giving you a responsibility. In other words, you're going to receive power from me, and the mission of my church that I purchased with my blood is going to be to go out and evangelize. That is the mission of the church. And he said that you are going to get, you are going to get the power where? Not from within, from God, from the Holy Spirit of God. That's the mission. And all of the power that we have to do that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. People say, I just can't, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I have the right words. Well, you and I probably won't have the right words, and we can't do it on our own strength. We need God's power. That's the mission of the church. It's the responsibility, the responsibility of the church to fulfill that mission. You know what else I'd like to point out? Look at verse number eight. In the middle of the verse, Jesus wants us to be witnesses unto me. And then he names basically everywhere, because uttermost part of the earth includes everywhere. They're to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know we, I know our crowd likes to say, well, we're going to go soul winning. As the Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise, except you and I aren't winning any souls. The Lord wins the soul. You know what we are? Verse number eight, witnesses. We are to stand as God's witnesses, the true witness for Jehovah, <laughs> the true witness. Uh, he is the only wise God, our Savior, and he is mighty in strength and wisdom. And yes, does God give us wisdom? He, he does, but he is the only wise God. He is the only one. The Holy Spirit of God is the one who saves. He that winneth souls is wise. He is wise. And we are to stand as witnesses. That is the mission of the church. To stand for the Lord Jesus Christ as a witness for him. 1 Corinthians 1. 
I want to get a hold of this power. 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1. Oh, I love this chapter. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made of none effect. We're preaching one message. What is it? the gospel? Death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But in us which are saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. Where does the power come from? God. You don't think you can do it? On your own power, you can. But if you just allow the Spirit of God to take hold and rule, and you give the reins over, he will give you the power to do it. It's his power. Verse number 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the strive? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, and pleased God by what? The foolishness of preaching to do what? Save them that. We want them to believe. It's the mission of the church. The Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. Verse 23. We preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block. None of the Greeks' foolishness. Here it is. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greece, Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The mission of the church is to rely on the power of God, the power of the gospel, the wisdom of God, the wisdom of, of the preaching of the gospel. That is our mission. I said all that by way of introduction to say this. We can't have missions unless we fulfill the mission. You got to have the mission right before you can get into missions. <laughs> and I believe we do. I believe we have the mission. We've got a hold of that. So what is missions? Well, missions is then sending out. And what we just talked about now becomes the mission in another geographic location. We're covering Putnam County, and we try to cover White County, and we try to cover Overton County, and you know what? We fulfill the mission, the Great Commission, right? What's missions? We're sending someone out to go beyond the borders of our Judea, to do the same thing. That's missions. Get First Thessalonians 1. It, it really is. It really is. When you look at the biblical model. Churches reproducing. Churches. Now I know you can have. 
you know, situations work themselves out in all different ways. First Thessalonians 1 will be in. But it's a rinse and repeat model. You know, you have someone that is brought up in a local church. They have proven themselves in many ways. They've proven themselves doctrinally. They've proven themselves faithfully to attendance. They've proven themselves faithful to evangelism. They've proven themselves faithful to get along with people who aren't faithful. <laughs> They've proven themselves to be able to be faithful in getting along with people that disagree with them or, or, or vice versa. It's a people. Missions is a people thing. We're going out to talk to and preach to people. And if you're going to be sent out, the church is going to have a missions program. They've got to, one, be accomplishing the mission. And two, they can't lose sight of the fact this is people. You've got to be, along, you've got to be able to get along with people. And the first thing the mission program does is to evangelize. First Thessalonians 1, but watch what it says. Paul and Silvanus, Mothius, under the church of the uh, Thessalonians. Which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work in the faith and labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Back to that power again. It all comes from God. And in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. That's pretty good. Right into that church. They got a hold of the power of God. They're praying. They're laboring in love. They're patient. Now watch what they have. They've got joy in the Holy Ghost. They've got assurance. And they are following. There's somebody to follow. They're an example. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believed in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not speak to anything. I'm going to read one more verse, but I need to stop there to say, that is wonderful. Those first eight verses, that is wonderful good news. It's beautiful. All that's going on. People are following the Lord. Now watch verse 9. Because the mission of the church. And when a church wants to get involved in missions. Verse number 9. We've got to get a hold of. For they themselves show of us. What manner of entering in we had unto you. And how ye turn to God from idols. To serve the living and true God, this is how a church moves away from the mission 
and therefore can't move into proper missions. The idols have to go. You're never going to stop ceasing preaching Christ as the only and exclusive way. That means all the idols go. And they must be compelled to turn to God from idols. And too many times the exclusivity of Christ is left out. We need to be careful about a false conversion when someone's holding on to idols. Ask him, you got any idols in your life? Well, what do you mean? And maybe kind of help him think through what you mean. Turn to God from something. What? Whatever your idol is or idols are. When does a true conversion occur? Biblically. When some trust goes into the Lord or all trust. It's 100% trust in Christ's sacrificial offering. Or there is no conversion. There is no, I want to hold on to a little bit of this. And I kind of want to add Christ into it. It's all or nothing. It is turning from and to and all 100% faith and trust in God. Or there is no conversion. So we must compel and that's the first thing in missions, evangelizing, evangelizing with the exclusive gospel that all the idols go. Next line of business is discipleship. Go to Philippians 2. And discipleship is you walk to save person through how a Christian lives. You get into missions, it is. Evangelize and then disciple. This is the part where you, you know, the verse, uh, be doers of the word, not just hearers only. It's teaching them how, how to live. Now, that's a tough task. Because if you're like me and you get saved later in life, you've already spent your life learning how to walk after the things of the world. Now, it'd be great if somebody got saved and all of a sudden, Things, all, all the things changed overnight. It's typically unlikely when someone gets saved later in life. They're going to have to be discipled. Because all they know how to do is walk after the flesh. You're going to have to teach them how to walk after the spirit. And they're going to have to learn the joy of honestly living the Christian life in the joy of the Holy Ghost and through the power of the spirit. This is the teaching them to observe all things whatsoever. Okay, that's that part of, of, of Christ's commission. But Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own thing, 
but every man also on the things of others. Now, I had to be taught that. Did you have to be taught that? Because when I got saved, the next day, you know who I wanted to live for? Me. <laughs> and it's 20-some years later, and my flesh is about as saved as it was when I first got saved. It ain't. <laughs> okay? It's the same flesh. And I have to be taught those things. I have to be reminded of those things. When I come to them in the Bible, I'd rather just preach them at other people. Because <laughs> you got to admit, there's some verses and some phrases and some passages in Scripture where you'd rather just let other people work on. It's called easy to preach, hard to live. But this is called discipleship. I had to, just like you had to, be taught by another Christian, another minister, another brother or sister that knew the Lord. And walk with them longer than you have. And that's, that is a healthy thing. Because your mind is not going to esteem someone else better. Your mind is wanting you to be better. It's called your best not life now. The title of the book isn't. The other person will have a better life than you now and tomorrow and the next day. <laughs> but that's what Jesus said. Esteem the other person. Verse number five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Can you do that? And took upon him the form of a servant. Can we do that? And was made the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, we all know Christ did that for us. We talked about that in the Lord's Supper. He always asking us to do, be humble. Live an obedient life. People need to be discipled in how to do that. You see some strange birds when you're out doing public ministry. Strange birds. I think to myself sometimes, I see some of these women, and I think to myself, what passage in the Bible were you reading to chop all of your hair off and walk around with a butched haircut. It's like a crew cut. And I think to myself, what Bible book and what Sunday school lesson were you teaching in? And you just got so overwhelmed by the Holy Ghost that you decided to walk out in public with battle. That's all they know. That's, that's how they have lived their whole life. And ladies for years have been taught and have been indoctrinated. You can just go on down the line. You think this transgender thing is new? They've been trying to talk ladies into being men ever since they changed their dress code. These ladies do not know how to dress like women. They don't. We are getting to a point where men do not know how to dress like men. They need to be taught. We are coming to a day when you are going to walk into a public school and the teacher who is a man is going to be with, he's going to be standing there at the blackboard with as serious a face as he can 
and he is going to be dressed in a blouse. I'm not kidding. We are going to get to that point. They don't know any better. They're being indoctrinated and taught to live contrary to the Bible in every single way imaginable. And you know why? One of the reasons, uh, among many reasons, why we want to stick with the old 66 caliber, black back King James Bible. Well, you know there's different editions. Just pick an edition. You'll be all right. You know why we stick with this book? Because with along with this book comes standards for right living. And if you can get rid of this book, you can bring in lower standards of living. You want to disciple somebody, you're going to have to teach them how to live for Christ. Now, I don't think this is a news flash to anybody. Living for Christ is more about music standards, dress codes, uh, haircuts, Bible versions. It's more than that. I hope we get that. The esteeming others. Is probably a good place to start. And I guess I said all that to say. It's great somebody might get saved with the outreach. It doesn't stop them. Yes, they have an eternal home in heaven. Praise the Lord. They're typically not going to go there like the next day. They're typically going to live their life down here and they need some training. They need some discipleship. They need somebody to come alongside of them as an example. This is why we're doing this on our Sunday afternoon service for the brothers and sisters that have been faithful and have a Christian walk and can come alongside of someone new and help teach them by word by example, and by fellowshipping with them. And it will help them to be able to be discipled so that they can live their life for Christ. And discipling somebody isn't manufacturing outward joy. It's showing them the joy that we have that compels us to want to live our lives for Christ in any and every way that we can. Um, one more verse, and then we'll get to the last phase in missions. First Peter chapter number four. First Peter chapter number four, verse number eight. 
First Peter four. Let's start at verse number seven. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Okay, we should be doing that. We're going to need it. And above all things, verse eight, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. I'm telling you, the externals, if put first, won't work. The internals have to be put first. And if they can't see us as mature Christians getting along and having charity amongst each other, how are they ever going to want? How are they ever going to learn how to live for Christ? Really, truly, and fully. I don't believe that they are. They said, man, wait, you're supposed to be a Christian. You take offense to every little thing. Like, what's your problem? That's what I'd be thinking as, as a newly saved person. Man, these Christians, they don't get along. They fight and fuss about everything. Young, young ones. It'd be good early. Early young ones. Do not take offense to every little thing. Have some charity among yourselves. Because charity will cover a multitude of sins. The best thing a new person that comes into the body of Christ can see isn't what you wear, isn't what you listen to, isn't what you read. The best thing they can see is how you get along with each other. Honestly. That's how a home functions. That's how a business functions. Every organization on earth thrives and is successful if the team gets along, you do more as a team. That's what the church is. That's what the local church is. It's a team of soldiers for Christ. We're a family in the body of Christ. And we need to learn how to have some charity to cover the multitude of sin. We need to have fervent charity among yourselves. This isn't letting stuff slide. It shouldn't be let slide. We're not talking about that. We're talking about discipling others by helping them see our example. Lastly, I'd like to say this. Go to Romans 12. This last thought will be done. Romans 12. First, we have to be doing the mission of the church. Before we get into missions. Phase one of missions, evangelize. Outside of the geographic location. That it's already happened. It's already been happening. Step two is the disciple. Step three. We'll read Romans chapter 12 verse number one. It says, I beseech you therefore brethren. By the mercies of God. You present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. And not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's phase three is conformity to Christ. A person has been evangelized. They trust Christ as their savior. They come into the body of Christ. Now they start to be discipled and taught 
how to think, how to act, how to live. They learn what it's like to live the Christian life. And the third phase is that conformity. You're now conformed. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see now that they're, they're using their bodies as service for him. It's a conformity to Christ. Romans 8, we see the same thing in God's predestinating plan. Look at Romans 8, 28. This is what God predestinated, that we would be conformed to him. Evangelized, saved, discipled, taught. Third phase, conformed to his image. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Great verse. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God predestinated that all that are in him be conformed to his image. It's salvation. It's discipleship. And then there is conformity to the image of Christ. That's the end goal. You want to be shaped. Sharpened, molded to be more like Christ. Because you and, you and I are not individual people anymore. It's not our personal desires anymore. We are part of the body of Christ. We lose our identity and what's found in him. And lastly, what is the result? Someone gets saved, someone gets discipled, somebody gets conformed to the image of Christ. Uh, last verse, I thought this is a good one to close on. Go to Mark chapter 5. The community standard of living improves. Society improves when missions happen. We all know the story. Jesus here. Mark chapter 5. Uh, let's pick up. Uh, let's pick up um, in, in verse 14. Mark 5, 14. And they, fed the and they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. Uh, it is the unclean spirit's been uh, entered into the swine. They, they, they go out, out in the sea. So... And, and so they went out to see what it was that was done. Verse 15, this is verse I want to get to. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil. This man's possessed with the devil. He's living within society. Everybody knows he's a nut. He's possessed with the devil. And had the legion, you know what he's doing? He's sitting and he's clothed and he's in his right mind. And they were afraid. And I'm using that as an example to say society is better off now that that man is sitting clothed and in his right mind thinking right. Why? Then Jesus came. Then Jesus came. What are we to do? We're to fulfill the mission that Christ gave. We're doing it. We fulfill that mission before missions. 
before we can send someone outside of these borders to do what we ought to be doing here. We do what we do here, and then it's rinse and repeat. The church will reproduce another church. And so you've got, what are we to do? Evangelize. We are to disciple after they get saved. Third phase is they are conformed now, as we should all be. It should be a, a, con a continual thing. Saved, discipled, conformed. And the result is the standard of living in that community, in that society is raised because of the missions of the church. And I know you get sick and tired of me hearing it, saying this, but I got I to gotta, I gotta have you hear it again. It isn't going to be a political program, a social program any of those programs that are going to improve society as well as or as effective as the mission program of the local church. We must evangelize, then we must disciple them, then they must, then they, they, by default, they'll be conformed to the image of Christ. Those are the three phases. And the result of that is the standard of that society is raised. Mission before mission.